Welcome to the City Collective Podcast. We believe we are better together and exist to create space for everyone to discover life in Jesus. We hope that you encounter the heart of God and are challenged and inspired in your relationship with Christ. Great. Well, thanks for being here this morning. Uh, it's great to see you. And if this is, like I said, your first time here at City Collective, I didn't even introduce myself. Uh, my name is Jason. I get the privilege of being lead pastor here. And wherever you find yourself on your journey of faith, Christian, non-Christian, atheist, agnostic, not really sure about Jesus, I hope this is a space that feels welcoming to you. Uh, we are in the middle of a series as we're going through the gospel according to Matthew. Uh, you might notice that some individuals in the room have this journal it is readily available to you. Our, our team has put it together. And last week, actually, um, it featured a piece of artwork from our very own Rochelle, who's actually right here. So thank you for that. So good. Uh, it is full of content from our community for our community. And it's a way that we want to encourage you in your discipleship throughout the course of the year. Uh, and if you are taking notes this morning, you can turn. I think we're on page 20 of the book. That's where we are in the series. And so uh, there's space for you to take notes this morning. Last week, we were in chapter 4. We're going to finish off chapter 4 this Sunday. But we were hearing the call of Jesus to the fishermen. Come follow me. And maybe that call was also to us, to stop participating in all, building our own kingdoms, but also but to look to start participating in his. Because that's what it means to follow Jesus. And so today, we're going to finish out chapter 4. And we're going to look at what the ministry of Jesus really looks like. We're going to just be reading three verses this morning. And we're going to pick it up in verse 23. And you can follow along on the big screen behind me. And it says, Matthew 4, 23 to 25. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone and then thought to yourself, man, I am... Uh, I feel like I'm punching above my, my weight class here. They, uh, they seem to have it all together. There's a lot of great things that are going on in their life. Uh, this past spring, I was able to, to travel with a group of pastors, and we were in the UK. We got to spend an hour with an individual by the name of Nicky Gumbel, and they, he, he was part of pioneering and, and growing uh, organization called Alpha. If you've ever heard of Alpha, it's a great opportunity to, to learn more about your faith and what it means to actually follow Jesus. And he was sharing with us his heart. And there was all these pastors in this room, all these lead pastors of different churches. And here he is talking. And it was one of those moments for me where I was hearing him talking like, I am a drop in the bucket next to what this guy is trying to do. Like he's talking about 2033 is the 2,000-year birthday of Jesus. And he's like, I want everybody in the world to have a Bible in their hand and to have heard the name of Jesus by 2033. And I've got a plan for it. I'm like, I'm just trying to get us going on a Sunday. That's, that's what I'm trying to do over here. 
Well, we have these moments, right, where we, we hear what people are, are all about, and we're like, man, I don't know if I've got that fully going on. And I wonder, we've just heard the fishermen, they've just been called out of their boats and to follow Jesus, and then immediately after it says that Jesus goes into Galilee, he's proclaiming, he's teaching, and he's healing everyone and everyone that he comes across. you got to wonder how those disciples were feeling in those moments. Man, I must be punching above my way. I shouldn't even be in this synagogue. Look how people are looking at me. But this is just a regular day for Jesus. And here they are, the disciples. They're seeing the very thing that he's proclaiming come to pass. And contrary to public opinion, the central message of Jesus, it wasn't community, and it wasn't sacrifice, it wasn't social justice or, or, or leadership. The central message of Jesus was the kingdom of God. Th those elements, they definitely exist within the message and they, they matter. But this foundational idea of the kingdom of God, it traces its way all throughout the biblical narrative. And to some degree, I think it can be confusing to understand completely. The, the, the New Testament authors, they boil down the message of Jesus to this, this simple phrase, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is near. And I think it's important to understand the central message if we're to understand Jesus. Is he just a, a good man, a moral teacher, a leader of a rebellion? I think we can tend to think of Jesus in these manners, but his lessons of morality, of caring for the poor, of love and of wisdom, they only make sense if the kingdom of God is actually coming near and changing everything. And this is what he's proclaiming, and this passage is just a picture in the day of the life of Jesus and his disciples. This was just how he lived his life. So the big questions that I want to ask this morning and I want us to explore when we're looking at this passage, is what is the kingdom? How do we live into that reality? And what will the kingdom do to us? So we see Jesus, he is teaching, and he's proclaiming, and he's healing. Eugene Peterson, he says this about faith. He says that the life of faith isn't meant for tourists, it's meant for pilgrims. We aren't just a met, we aren't, just meant to look at the ministry of Jesus with awe and wonder. There's an invitation to participate in the kingdom that he was proclaiming. So what does it mean for a Jewish man 2,000 years ago to go into Galilee and say that the kingdom of God is here? This is a proclamation that I think can get lost in the mix sometimes because the thing is, we know the stories of, of overflowing love, of, of Jesus' forgiveness towards people, of how he's healed multitudes, and we see all the ways that these take place, but when we think about what he's actually teaching us, so to love our enemies, to turn the other cheek, to, to do things that seem counter to the way that we want to act on an everyday basis, if we're honest about it, it seems ridiculous. And it almost seems illogical. it doesn't actually matter until we start to realize that the kingdom of God is here because when that starts to be our foundation, 
then everything else follows from that place. Jesus talks more about the kingdom of God than anything else, and everything flowed from the fact that he believed that he was bringing the reality of the kingdom here on earth. If you read through looking for the thing that Jesus talks about the most, it becomes crystal clear. In the Gospel of Matthew, he talks about the kingdom of God over 50 times. 55 times he talks about the kingdom of God. There's a reason that he proclaims it over and over and over again. And it was like this this idea of electricity being brought to a people that only experienced fire. It's like the internet that was coming to a people that didn't even have computers. It's like social media that has like shaped the way we do relationships in the 21st century. All these massive changes times 100 is what the kingdom of God was meant to do in the world. It was actually starting to impact people, not just be an idea or something that we look at from a distance. Are we tourists in the ministry of Jesus? Or do we hear that call that he's giving to us, follow me, and then seeing the ministry he's inviting us to follow him into? This kingdom doesn't operate like any other kingdom you've ever inhabited or been introduced to before because it changes everything. It's meant to change our our relationship with money, our marriages, our, our relationships, all of our visceral instincts are meant to be transformed. And the list keeps going. And in the next three chapters that we're going to spend time going through, we're going to see bit by bit of what he's talking about. But ultimately, what it is asking is, what does it look like to live under the reign of this king? And what does it mean for Jesus to actually take over? I wonder, for some of us this morning if the teachings of Jesus have made us actually feel like a tourist. It seems beyond our reach. And so we, we look upon it and we think to ourselves, that's a nice, that's a nice thought. It's going to be really great for someone to treat me that way. I'm really looking forward to that. Have we chosen to actually submit everything or have we only chosen to submit that which is comfortable? And I'm saying all this because we're going to talk about what the kingdom of God is. But if you say yes, and you encounter who Jesus is, it really does change everything. It impacts everything because he convicts, he inspires, he heals, he restores, and he transforms everybody that he comes in contact with. And that's what's happening in Galilee. In those verses that we read together, starting in verse 23, he's teaching, he's proclaiming, and he's healing. And the very first thing that he says in verse 23 that I want you to pay attention to is it says that he went through all of Galilee. And I love this. That is the posture of Jesus, that he goes. He doesn't wait for people to come to him. In fact, he goes to them, and he wants to be with his people. That is a promise that is given to us over and over again, that there is a good God, a Savior, that has come to you where you are at. And the very first thing that it says about the ministry of Jesus is that he went to Galilee, and just like he goes to each and every one of us. And that is a characteristic of the kingdom of God that he presents immediately, that it is something that is invading our world, and it should be our posture as a church. I think sometimes we can be so socially sensitive that we miss the power of the invitation. 
We miss the power of being present. We miss the power of engaging with people where they were at. But if you're going to hear one thing this morning, the first thing that Jesus did is that he went. And he was present with people where they were at. And there's this, this urgency in the ministry of Jesus. Sometimes I think when it falls into the categories of I like this idea or this intellectual ascent that we often talk about, often we sanitize the kingdom of God to be this passive response to a world the way it is. But know this, the kingdom of God is an urgent place. The kingdom of God is urgently trying to come after you and I where we are at because Jesus, he goes and that's just the first two words of that, that verse. He goes throughout Galilee and he's teaching and he's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. The good news of the kingdom is an important phrase to pay attention to, to understand what the kingdom is. We need to know what Jesus is actually proclaiming. The, the word gospel can be equated to good news, which is about the announcement of the reign of a new king. The word Caressian was used to describe the word of a herald in a Greek city. So what it is, is it involved a bold, clear, challenging proclamation that when the herald spoke, it was something important that we better be listening to. In the New Testament, the phrase, the good news of the kingdom, is meant to actually summarize all of Jesus' teaching. This was the good news of the kingdom all that Jesus taught. And this was an upside-down kingdom, a, a different kingdom, because everything that he taught was revolutionary. It was and it is against our natural instincts and cultural inclinations. However, the, the teachings of Jesus, they just weren't about going after the things that people do. It's going after their why the reason they are doing what they're doing. In your discipleship, perhaps you've heard this idea that Jesus looks at the heart. But let's rephrase that a little bit this morning, and maybe it'll help us better understand in the sense of the kingdom. Jesus, he sees what you do, but cares more about what you want to do. Jesus sees what you do, but he cares more about what you want to do. Because how many of you know that we have had moral, hollow actions happen far too often in our own lives, in our own decision-making, and around us? People doing what's good because it looks good, not because it is good, or because they're doing it for the purposes that are of the Father, are for good things. Hollow actions happen often. And we can fall into this trap of pursuing a faith that's all about moralistic behavior modification, but that grows old really quickly. It can be fleeting, it's definitely exhausting, and ultimately what it becomes is self-serving. becomes the opposite of what the kingdom is inviting us into. Jesus wants us to do things that are life-giving and good, and he's about to tell us chapters worth of what those things are, but ultimately the challenge he's even giving in this moment to you this morning is can you take an evaluation of your affections? 
Jesus doesn't just want to change what we do. He wants to change what we want to do. Because transformation happens in the direction of our affections. James K.A. Smith, he talks about our affections plenty, and he says, our wants and longings and desires are at the core of our identity, the wellspring from which our actions and behavior flow. The, the orientation of our heart happens from the bottom up through the formation of our habits and desires. I think one of the best ways to take an audit of your affections is to consider your frustrations. I think often the greatest sources of our frustrations become the greatest sources of our longing. And that which we long for is that which we pursue. That can be a good thing. If you long for people, for your friends and family to come to know Jesus, that's a great thing. But more often than not, our frustrations are around the things of, of this world, the things that we encounter on a daily basis. Uh, money was a difficult thing growing up, and so that's all I think about right now. You're single and then you're feeling lonely, so that's all you think about right now. You're in a marriage and it doesn't meet the expectations that you had originally, so that's all you think about right now. If money holds your affection, then transformation needs to take place there. If, if relationships hold your affection, then transformation needs to take place there. It, it is always looking at where do your affections actually lie. notoriety, popularity, security. There's a long list of good things that aren't meant to be the ultimate thing. So if you're here this morning and, and you feel discontent, or maybe it's a good thing and you have a renewed desire to be more like Jesus, my first question to you is, do you know where your affections actually lie? Do you actually long for Jesus? Or do you long for a, a fruitful relationship so you're thinking Jesus is a good route to get there? We long for Jesus first, and the fruit of that longing is a life of flourishing with him at the center. Where do our priorities and our affections lie? And Jesus, he spoke of this priority, but he also demonstrated it as well. Because the text says that he proclaims the good news of the kingdom, all that Jesus taught, and he demonstrated that the kingdom was at hand. The kingdom was near. His ministry wasn't just in word, but it was in deed as well. And he understood that our affections are easily given away. So what does Jesus do? He meets people where they're at. He goes to them, and he doesn't just wave at them from a distance because that would be sympathy. We have an empathetic God that sees us down into our mire and our, our struggle, and he comes down, not just to hang out down there, but with a, rope, with a rope, with a ladder, to come on out of where you are and let's discover what life looks like on the, on the top side. And so what Jesus does is he meets them where they're at, and what does he bring? He brings healing. He brings the reconciliation that we were even thinking about this morning. He, he brings what the people needed. He meets them where they're at. And here is Jesus. He's saying, I want you to feel what it's like to actually be in the kingdom. In your lives, in your frustrations, in your heart, in your affections, I want to be there and I want to change it for the better and I want to transform it in my image. Now, even when we're thinking about the kingdom, I, I want to differentiate between it being a, a place and what the scriptures actually outline it as, as dominion. 
Colossians 1 verse 13 says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. That is to say, we are delivered from the domain of darkness and brought to the kingdom of Jesus. We aren't physically transferred. It's not like you made a decision to follow Jesus and then pop, you're just in a completely different place, a completely different city. There's no physical transference that takes place in that moment. But when we pray that Lord's pray, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We aren't praying for a scene out of the Avengers where a city falls on top of another. We're praying for the full rule of God to come. Why? Because we believe that we know what the full rule of God looks like. It looks like the ministry of Jesus. And what does the ministry of, look like, ministry of Jesus look like? Healing, restoration, reconciliation. The things that we actually truly long for. Some of you might be here this morning and be like, I just long for a brand new car. That's all I'm thinking about right now. But the real substance of our life is always desiring the healing that Christ provides in the restoration and the reconciliation of relationships and, and, and self-worth and our identity. This is what God is bringing when he says the kingdom of God is near. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has, as in it's presently taking place, and has come, and the new is here. In the ministry of Jesus, partnered with the proclamation of the kingdom was the demonstration of the kingdom. Healing, freedom, reconciliation. And this is the heart of the Father. Jesus, he, he holds his ministry to be that which we participate in and experience. And he evidences his kingship through the power that he holds. Matthew 12, verse 28 says, But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. There is an authority that Jesus holds over creation and laws of nature, over sickness, over death and spiritual forces. And why does any of this matter to us? What does the teaching, proclamation, and healing we see in the ministry of Jesus provide us? Well, John the Baptist, we talked about him a few weeks ago. He declared the message of the kingdom. But with Jesus, all you want to know about the kingdom is seen in him. Let's put it very simply. Jesus is the kingdom. Because it says the kingdom is at hand because Jesus was there. The kingdom is at hand because Jesus is here. So, what is the kingdom? It is the rule and reign of Jesus over all things. And what does that look like? Look at his ministry. He comes to you and I with an urgency that speaks to your affections, calling you to turn around, repent, meeting your needs where you are, and showing you the way to participate in it. And it all flows from this place of where are we turning towards when we're saying the kingdom, we're talking about Jesus. And Jesus, he makes this bold proclamation, something that makes us incredibly uncomfortable within our Western sensibilities, that it, he says, repent. And it makes us uncomfortable 
and awkward at times. And I feel like this is often a roadblock when we actually try to engage with anything faith-related or in our relationship with Christ. That we hear this word repent and we're like, I, I don't want to feel bad about myself. Our associations of the word are contrition and sorrow and sadness. But Paul actually says that God's kindness is what leads us to repentance. This is the roadblock we hit. Do you believe that God is kind? Or do you believe that he's a killjoy? Do you believe that he's generous or do you believe that he's unfair? Do you believe that God is self-sacrificing or disengaged? When these are our perspectives of God and we couple that with our culture's commitment to things like autonomy and self-rule, we often choose to just keep going down our own path. Because let's be honest, why would you participate in a kingdom of which you be, believe the king to be cruel? If that's what you believe about God, then the kingdom does not seem like a very appealing place. Why would you turn around? I hear me this morning, the clearest picture of who God is, is seen in who Jesus is. If you want to know what God is like, look at who Jesus is. If you want to know what the kingdom is like, look at his ministry. What Jesus came to usher in was rule and dominion that doesn't bring sorrow, but it brings joy. That doesn't bring bondage, but brings freedom. That doesn't bring death, but in fact brings life. So what do we have? kingdom of God is near. We have the ministry of Jesus. We have the breaking in of the kingdom into this world, and that extends to you and to me. And if the call remains the same, repent for the kingdom of God is near. Turn around, follow me. I'm here showing you a new way. That remains the call to us this morning. Wherever you find yourself, Jesus comes to you where you're at, right here, right now, makes that declaration. Let's disassociate the idea of repentance to be something of contrition and sorrow, and let's hear the kindness of God leading us to repentance so that we can discover a new way that provides healing and restoration and reconciliation because we know that to be the kingdom of God because that's the ministry of Jesus. And if that's the ministry of Jesus, then that's the ministry of the church. And if that's the ministry of the church, that's the ministry of his people and that means it's your ministry it's my ministry it's what we get to do in everything that we participate in that's what it means to participate in the kingdom I'm following Jesus that's where we're going and if your life doesn't look that way guess what you have a good God that's still coming after you that wants you to discover life and life to the fullest with him ruling and reigning for some of you, that begins this morning very simply. Do you believe that God is good? There can be very little of a step taken past that, honestly, if we don't hold that to be true or not. For others, you hold much of your life at a distance. You say, I've given my life to follow Jesus, but only that which I'm comfortable with. Because I actually think majority of my way is better than his. And for, for others, you don't actually know the ministry of Jesus. And Jesus is perceived more as a moral teacher and a, and a 
rebel who, who did something really great many years ago and he made a way for me to be in heaven one day and enjoy pearly gates and, and roads of gold and I'll, ce- I'll celebrate in that day to come. But the reality is the kingdom of God is near. So the response is actually meant for now. What would your life look like if you were actually turning and facing and following the one who invites us to participate in the ministry of healing and reconciliation and transformation in the world around you? This doesn't mean, I'm not saying everyone needs to quit what they're doing and become a pastor. Trust me, that's not what I'm saying at all. What I am saying is though, your ministry is in your area. Your ministry is in your classrooms. It's in your workplace. It's in your households. It's in your driving on the way. It's everywhere and anywhere. The ministry of God follows because healing and reconciliation goes to where people are. Would you participate? Would you ask the Spirit to give you opportunities to speak the life that comes through Jesus that you've discovered for yourself? This is what it means to participate in the kingdom. The Gospels the crucifixion and the resurrection, it it paints this motif of the enthronement of Jesus. He receives a crown, he wears a robe, he's exalted up upon the cross, and the good news is, is that Jesus defeats death, and the good news that we get to live into and be part of proclaiming is there's a king who defeated death with his love. And I want to defeat death every single day with the love that he places within me. So what stops you? What stops you from actually following Jesus and keeping him at the forefront of your mind? Do you think of him daily? Do you talk to him daily? Do you learn from him? Because the invitation is given. Every single day, we have habits and bits of our nature that we're challenged with. And I hope when you hear this question, you don't take it lightly. Because like I said at the beginning, When you say yes, you're bringing your family history, your current addiction, your your personal vendettas and struggles, your your pain and your suffering, your your own sense of control fully before the king, and change is going to take place. Worship team, would you join me at the front? For some of you, I think it's a simple step this morning. Jesus knows the steps that we need to take, but I also think sometimes we, if we're really honest, know the steps that we should take also. For some, it's this feeling of you are carrying this burden of unreconciliation and you know the person that you know you're supposed to reconcile with but you just can't let it go you know that that physical addiction that is destroying your life but you haven't allowed anyone in to be part of the healing that needs to take place when you when you look at money it seemed to have a hold on your heart that overwhelms all of your current thinking and responses. Jesus doesn't seem anywhere near that. 
take a simple step this morning is asking yourself, where do my affections actually lie? And will I allow Jesus to take priority over it? I think everyone can do that this morning. Let's respond to that invitation. Come follow me and take that one little step. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your goodness and your grace that you come to us. And wherever we are at this morning, we just pray right now, Spirit of God, would you begin to speak? Transform our hearts and minds and give us boldness and courage this morning to, to repent and to turn towards you and begin down the path towards the kingdom of God that has come near. Thank you that it has come near. For those in the room that are experiencing frustration, that, that they want to know you and they, don't, they can't seem to hear your voice, I just pray this morning is an encouragement to them that the ministry of Jesus that you show to us in the scriptures is the ministry they get to be part of here in this world. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear the ways in which healing and truth and reconciliation come into the world around us because you are with us. Make us a people of boldness to teach and proclaim and heal alongside the king who has come and defeated death with love. Would you shape our hearts this morning and give us words for one another as we continue forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope it encouraged and blessed you in your walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. To keep up with City Collective, make sure to check us out on Instagram and Facebook at City Collective Church. Have a great week.